Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey, hi, hello, and thanks for joining me on the first Candid Catholic Convos episode of 2023. We made it! Through the grace of God, we made it to another year. 365 days of new growth, new opportunities, and an increased renewal in our faith. The beginning of the year is typically a great benchmark for starting something new. Some common goals I hear at the start of the new year are getting into shape, getting your health on track, or picking up a new habit like the Bible in a Year Challenge or drinking more water. Those are all great individual goals. But what if, instead of starting something new, we focused on what we have right in front of us and made it stronger? What if instead of focusing on me, we focused on we? Since we're already making an effort to look better and be happier, why not also make an effort to show our partner that they too are important? And by this time next year, our marriages are more fruitful, rewarding, and invigorating. Sounds great, right? Especially for those of us who may have left the honeymoon stage a long time ago and maybe feel more like roommates with barely enough time to care for ourselves because of other obligations like kids and work and whatnot. So where should we start and how do we know if we need outside intervention from a professional? Today, I'm chatting with Regina Boyd via Zoom, a licensed mental health counselor specializing in marriage and relationships, about ways we can grow in our relationships dismantling myths around marriage counseling, and how our faith plays a crucial role in our marriages. Regina, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you on the program talking about marriage counseling. I feel like it's a little bit of a taboo topic still, which is weird because I feel like it's been around long enough that we shouldn't be taboo still, but we're going to go with it. (laughs) Could you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into work as a therapist? Yeah. um, So I'm a wife and a mom. I live in Orlando, Florida. And um, how I got into work as a therapist, I I was been interested in psychology for a long time, even, you know, all the way back to middle school, high school, was really interested in why do people do what they do? How do they work? That was always something that was interesting to me. Uh, when I think back over points in my life, there were sort of things that I learned about myself that people told me. So for example, you know, I'm the person on the airplane that strangers open up to without me trying or asking them to, (laughs) or, you know, on the recess at playground, all of a sudden someone is opening up and sharing their life story about their parents getting divorced. And I'm, I was just playing, I was not (laughs) asking for this information. And so I sort of learned over time, you know, people would share with me, oh, you're a really good listener. So I I learned that that was a gift I had. Um, So by the time I was in college, that was something that I guess combining all together, the short version is I was just really interested in psychology and knew I wanted to help people and that this could be a way to help people um, based on how I interacted with others. 
That's really awesome. I love that you that you view this skill as a as a gift and something that you're using to help other people. That's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's really fun. I I, I enjoy it. So that's great. So why did you decide on marriage therapy, and how does your faith kind of interact with your work? Yeah, um, when I went into graduate school, that was on my mind, was doing marriage counseling, working with couples, and I was really inspired by John, John Paul II's Theology of the Body and his work, and one of the quotes that he has is, you know, as the family goes, so goes the nation and the whole world in which we live. So the way I view marriage counseling is um, if I can help one family, if I can help a couple stay together, preserve their marriage, strengthen it, keep it intact, then in a way I am impacting the broader culture. If we have a culture where families are together more than not together, that's ultimately going to be good for the children involved in those relationships. And therefore we build a society of people who are um, hopefully coming from homes that are happy and thriving. And so I sort of view it as my part in helping make an impact for, for the culture and the, and the larger world. Um, And again, just, the ability to journey alongside people and be, um, be with people in that way and be supportive to them has always kind of been inspirational to me. So I will say that it, it was maybe a little bit of a, a naive outlook (laughs) when I first started graduate school, you know, a little rah-rah cheerleader, we're going to save the world kind of thing. Um, but so, you know, some years of experience has tempered that a bit, but it's still um, really the coolest thing. But I, I would say that's kind of what started that decision anyway. That's really cool. So kind of piggybacking off of that, how how has your, your viewpoint evolved from graduate school to where you are now in your work? Well, I would say what's changed is, you know, couples counseling, marriage counseling is not always easy. There's a lot of complexities, especially when two people are involved. You have more than one opinion rather than just an individual counseling experience. So there's two people where you're trying to find this happy medium and this balance. And um, not all, not always everyone in the couple is happy to be present at counseling. Maybe one person brings another person into counseling. So I think my view was people who seek marriage counseling both really want it and want to work. And it's going to be this wonderful, beautiful kumbaya sort of moment. And we're going to heal together. And I realized that there, there are more um, options than that <laughs> option. Um, but it's still really rewarding work. It's really beautiful work. But I, you know, I, there's more uh, experiences than what I had first envisioned, I guess we can say, <laughs> we can put it that way. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it does make a lot of sense when you have two different people with two different opinions. They might not always be the same. Right. Kind of building off of that a little bit, I think there's, at least this is my perception, that there's a, a large stigma, not just among Catholic couples, but couples in general, that going to marriage counseling means that your marriage is doomed, that you're already on the brink of divorce and and healthy couples don't need therapy. Can you shed some light on what marriage therapy is and isn't? Yeah, um, certainly marriage therapy is important and helpful if you are on the brink of divorce. But honestly, I can say that's potentially too late to go to therapy. There's a really interesting statistic out there that couples who seek therapy often 
initiate therapy six to seven years after they've noticed problems or struggles in their relationship. Oh, wow. And in my opinion, that's just way too long to wait because six or seven years of struggling, of fighting, of having communication issues, whatever the issue is, it you just start ingraining these habits. There's more opportunities to hurt one another, for resentment to build. And so we don't want to wait until you're on the brink of divorce because the, by that point, there's just so much pain that it's really hard to sift through and believe that the other person has your best intentions at heart. So we want to get at the beginning of that six-year period. You know, once you start noticing things are off, that's a beautiful time to come in to couples therapy because there's so much that can be helped in that atmosphere. Any kind of concern that you feel like you can't solve on your own, you just kind of keep coming up on repeated disagreements, you keep feeling like you have the same conversation over and over. Maybe it's a parenting disagreement, an issue about lifestyle. Should we make this move for this new job? Should we not? Your sexual relationship, intimacy, Maybe you feel like things are kind of lackluster on autopilot. You're you're emotionally distant from one another. You don't feel that connection like you once had. Or you notice something's changed in the communication. These are all really good signs that you could benefit from some couples therapy. So I would say it's this opportunity and this space to gain tools and insight and to connect in a deeper way and really enhance your your relationship. You don't have to, you know, be this doomed couple to benefit from it. Um, you know, I, I work with a lot of happy couples as well. And so it can be almost like, um, I want to go so far as to say a date, but kind of a way where you're putting in quality time and effort into your relationship. That's a really neat way of looking at it. It's almost like, like you said, not necessarily a date, but maybe like, like a, like a retreat, like how you become like more invigorated when you are finished like that. That's a really neat way of putting it. Yeah. I even have couples who turn it into a date night. They meet with me, then they go out for dinner or something like that, or they go out for lunch. So you can, you can make it a fun thing. That's a great idea. I think one of the biggest misconceptions about therapy is that people think a therapist is just there to sit and listen to your problems. Like why would I pay money or give up my time to do that when I could just talk to my partner or talk to the Lord or talk, you know, talk to a friend. So why should someone consider participating in marriage therapy or even individual therapy? You know, what's so funny about this is I actually had a friend send me a meme of uh, a clip from the office. um, And somebody made a joke like, oh, I want to be a therapist because all you have to do is say, "Uh uh uh-huh, uh-huh, you know, give me $200 (laughs) or something like that. (laughs) And I told them, I, I thought it was a hilarious clip, but I said, like, those are actually the most frustrating sessions for me when I feel like I can't get a word in and I can't help because therapy is so much more than just listening. Listening is an important part of that. Certainly, we have to listen to make sure we have a good understanding of the dynamic happening between you as a couple or individually. We want to be compassionate and supportive. And so listening is an important part of helping someone to feel supported. But um, at the same time, we, we need to be good listeners so we can get a whole picture and evaluation and assessment of the situation so that we can navigate together of how to help you through whatever the situation is that's happening at the time. I think the main difference between calling your friend or a family member is a therapist is a trained professional. I think people underestimate 
the value of that. And, you know, it's somebody who's objective and unbiased. I mean, certainly you can get objective, unbiased opinions lots of ways, but from somebody who's trained in how to help your relationship, somebody who can say things in a way that helps to benefit your relationship and have your marriage in mind and trying to preserve that and keep that intact versus a friend, you know, if you just go to a family member and complain about your spouse, they might take your side. If you complain to your sibling about your spouse, they're going to naturally default to, oh, that was wrong. They shouldn't have done that. And that's not really ultimately helpful to your relationship in the long term if you're kind of getting that type of negative negativity about your spouse from someone else. So you you can get solutions of ways to help with with kind of those concerns that you notice come up versus, you know, somebody's advice, which advice from family and friends can also be helpful, um, but it's very different than than therapy. Right. I'm, I'm, I value therapy highly. I've been in and out of therapy for roughly 10 years for some anxiety and depression issues. And I always joke with my therapist that like I throw him a big tangled thing of yarn and somehow he manages to untangle it and roll it into a nice neat ball again. And I feel like that, like therapists are so skilled at that. And we, we forget that they're not just they're not just a friend. They're somebody who has the knowledge and the skills to help you see the ball for the knot, you know, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. I mean, we're looking for patterns. We're looking for connections maybe to childhood, you know, whatever it is that can provide some insight for you to help you. We look at a situation through all types of lenses, you know, let's put on our our mom lens, let's put on our wife lens, let's put on our sibling lens. And look, we look at a situation through all these points that really help you get more information so that ultimately you can make the best decision with your life. You know, we're, we're not living your life, um, but helping you kind of come to a really well-informed decision that you're comfortable with. Right, right. That's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about pre since we're on the subject of marriage. And for anyone listening who doesn't know, pre-cana is for couples planning to marry in the Catholic Church as like marriage preparation. And I can only speak from my personal experience. I, My husband and I got married in a different diocese. But to me, the experience wasn't exactly fruitful. Um, it felt very superficial. And it was great for starting conversations about NFP or some of the views that we had going into marriage. But I feel like it really didn't paint a picture of what we were walking into and how to handle difficult situations as they arose. Like we are completely different people now than we were 11 years ago when we got married. And I think it's incredibly valuable that the church puts such an emphasis on focusing on our marriage and wants to be very intentional with what we're committing to, you know, before we tie the knot. But how can we use pre cana to both focus on the objective truth of marriage as well as the subjective reality of our lived experiences? That's a very interesting question. And I think pre cana has a little bit of a disadvantage because you're trying to put so much into one day or if you're lucky, a weekend. I mean, I'm I'm always more of a fan of the weekend as, as a therapist. That's just kind of what I'm going to default to, but I know that's a big time commitment. People don't have that time, but if you have the weekend option, highly recommended only because you have more time to have those important conversations. And 
you know, I think in that pre-canus setting, we could take advantage of more time for prayer opportunities, especially in the weekend, or more time to maybe speak with a mentor couple, a couple who's married. I, I kind of would love to see some kind of way to be connected with couples where you could develop a relationship where you have dinners together, maybe some type of small faith community um, that goes beyond the pre-canon, because I think that's really where we learn about the reality of marriage is when we're around other people who are married and we see what married life is like. And hopefully you have exposure to couples who have healthy marriages and healthy family life. So that would be kind of a cool opportunity for pre-canon to connect engaged couples with couples who are already married, who'd be willing to share their time, invite people into their homes and and build a community in that sense. Yeah, that sounds like it would be very beneficial, um, especially because you'd be, you know, meeting people at different stages of their marriage. You know, at the beginning, it's all honeymoon and rainbows and for for most people. And, you know, as you progress, you grow and everybody, since we're, it's two different people, might be growing at different, a different pace or again, having different differences of opinions on certain things like raising kids. And, you know, we all had opinions about, oh, my kid's not going to have this much screen time. I'm not going to be making three different meals for dinner. And then you're actually in it and it might change how everything comes out. So I think, I think that's a really cool opportunity. And I wonder if um, our family life office would be interested in expanding pre-Cana in that way. That would be pretty cool. We talked about this a little bit about how communication is key in a relationship. But what if you're hurting and your hurt begins to affect the in, the way you interact with your spouse? And maybe it's not even from an argument where your feelings were hurt or something like that. Maybe it's something from a previous relationship or from your childhood. How How do we go about navigating that style of communication? Yeah, I, th- I think transparency is really important and really helpful. Um, the, if you can see yourselves, especially, you know, in a married relationship as being on the same team, as being a support to one another, right? So if you are having some pain or wounds from your childhood or, or previously in the past, one, being able to recognize and identify those. So perhaps hopefully you're going to your own therapy to be able to recognize what your triggers are. And then being able to bring that into your relationship. So sometimes we can accidentally trigger our spouses without realizing it. We're we're just going on living our life. And then all of a sudden somebody's a little rude or short, you know, don't look at me with that, you know, look, don't give me that look. Don't talk to me with that tone of voice. And you're thinking, what? I was just talking. I wasn't even mad about anything. What are you talking about? And so if we can identify those moments when we get triggered, that's a beautiful opportunity to be transparent and say, hey, I'm having a really hard time right now. I'm having an off day. (laughs) I just want to give you a heads up that if I seem a little irritable or off, I just want you to know it's not your fault. It's me. And I think this is or something that you just said in this conversation reminds me of my past. And there's some stuff coming up for me. I need a break. Um, Again, not personal, not for you, but, you know, I need a break. Can we revisit this later? Or maybe it's an opportunity to say, hey, I just need a hug right now. I need some, I need a drink. Can you get me a glass of water? You know, 
whatever, something. And so that way that you can have conversations ahead of time and plan and say, you know, here's how you can be most helpful to me in those moments when I'm hurting, when my past comes up, because obviously we love our spouse. We want, we care about them. We want to support them. So if you have someone who's going through a hard time, you know, ask how you can be most helpful to them. Some people want to be alone. Some people don't. So um, having those conversations ahead of time rather than in the moment usually can be really helpful. It's hard to do it once, once we're triggered and the emotions are up, it's much harder to, to have that calm, rational conversation. I love that. I love the, you know, Hey, just a heads up. I'm, I'm kind of off my game today. It gives you and your partner a chance to kind of evaluate where you are. I feel like you kind of need some sort of self-awareness for that. Is that something that needs to be worked on outside of the relationship to be able to bring it in? Um, it really depends um, what it, what the situation is, but honestly, I think, I think there could be a little bit of both. I think um, your helpmate is somebody there to help you. And sometimes, as you know, marriage is a great way to pro- put a spotlight on all your imperfections, all those areas that you need to grow. And sometimes it's nice to have a helpmate there with you, even in counseling to work through, you know, any past pain, trauma, whatever it may be. Um, I've seen lots of beautiful moments like that in a couple setting, but certainly individual counseling can be really helpful as well. So I think it just is up to you and your preference. Um, some people sometimes go to individual therapy and then transition to couples after some time. Maybe there's some things they want to work through on their own and then bring their spouse into it later down the road. Um, so I think, you know, there's no right or wrong way. It just depends on you and your situation and your comfort level. Wow, that's awesome. I didn't know that that was a, a possibility that you could start in individual therapy and then eventually transition um, so that you guys can work together. That's pretty cool. Yeah, to have those conversations about how to help, how to be supportive, and and again to share, to to connect, to have somebody know more about you and your life and your past, and that can be really healing and beautiful in a lot of ways. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but you know, I think we've all heard the saying, "Grit your teeth and bear it," or "Pick up your cross." And I know that this sometimes applies to marriage because it's not all going to be sunshine and rainbows and honeymoons. But at its core, marriage is supposed to be refreshing and fruitful and safe, not just something you get through. When do you know, or better yet, what are some signs that you've been gritting your teeth for a little too long and some outside help would be beneficial? I think one major sign is you seek emotional support or really any kind of support from people other than your spouse. Mm. So this includes family members, you know, siblings, your parents, friends, coworkers. If your first person that you're calling when you have a flat tire is not your spouse, or, you know, you get in a fender bender or something, or you got your feelings hurt at work, maybe you had a tough meeting with your boss and they gave you some bad news, if the first person you're telling that story to is not your spouse, there's a there's an issue. We want to pay attention to that. Now, certainly if, you know, people are busy and you can't get a hold of someone, I, I understand regular life things, but if a repeated pattern over time. And another thing I would add, if you have a tendency to avoid tough conversations, 
One thing I've noticed is sometimes people are afraid of getting into arguments, afraid of getting into fights, so they don't want to bring up a concern because they're worried it might make things worse. And then they just end up not talking to each other at all. So it's like, how are you working through things? How are you maintaining that connection and that intimacy if you're not having any conversations of real substance at all? And so if you notice that you're tending to avoid conversations, those tough conversations more often than not, again, we want to pay attention to that. And that might be a sign that some outside help could be helpful, right? And that's that. those are signs that we want to get in again on that earlier end of the six to seven years rather than, because can you imagine avoiding tough conversations for six to seven years and what that could do to a relationship? So I think those are probably the two biggest signs I would say could be signs. Obviously, feelings of resentment, irritability. If you start having a tendency to be really critical of the other person or the other person's critical of you more often than not, maybe there's a less of a sense of culture of appreciation in the home. You have a tendency to view each other in this through this negative lens more than a positive lens where you're giving the benefit of the doubt and you're kind of noticing there's not so much benefit of the doubt. Those can all be signs that we probably want to get some outside help. Those are really good things to look out for. I, you know, I heard the saying you should pick your battles, but I feel like if you're if you're picking your battles a little too often or a little too carefully, that maybe that's a a sign that you need some help figuring out which battles to pick and how to keep pursuing conversation. Absolutely. And sometimes you do have to pick your battles, right? Because just to get through the day, sometimes you see, you know, a towel on the bathroom floor and that irritates you, sometimes you're just going to have to pick up the towel, right? And just move on (laughs) because it's not really worth it to have that type of conversation depending on the situation. But yeah, I'm, I'm talking more about how do we navigate those conflicts? Like, hey, it really hurt my feelings when you said that in front of my mom the other day or in front of your mom or, or, hey, you know, it would really mean a lot if we could we haven't been out on a date in a while. It really mean a lot if you could clear your schedule and we could just, you know, go out on a date again. Right. So I think people sometimes are afraid to say those things because they're worried it's going to turn into a fight. But it, you also, if you just leave it hanging in the air, then how do you address it and how do you improve it unless you're willing to go there? We've unfortunately run out of time. But if you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, you can listen to us anytime on Spotify under Candid Catholic Convos, or you can download this episode from our website at hbgdiocese.org. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash D-A-C and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.